2021, the ABC Australia National Survey found that 62% of all Australians of all ages worry about retirement income even before they retire. In fact, it was the second major concern after climate change. The question is whether or not being able to retire comfortably is a personal problem or a national problem. This level of concern about retirement income and the fact that it's rated second after climate change would indicate its significance nationally. And just in case you're a lover of statistics, because we're talking about all things money today, other research conducted by National Seniors Australia and Challenger found that pre-retirees were worrying more about running out of money than those who had already retired. The research reported that retirees tended to adjust to what savings they had, as they knew that super is for spending in retirement. So perhaps in some cases, the fear doesn't match the reality. But the fact that we're living longer is a reality. And so it's very prudent, I think, to seek professional advice to secure a lifestyle that is consistent with your retirement wants and needs. And to help us get a handle on making the most of retirement savings, superannuation and pension, we're joined today by Rachel Uwe of Your Wealth Consultants in Wynnum, Brisbane. Hello, Hi, everyone. Hi. I'm not finished, Rachel. Hi, <laughs> excited. <laughs> Hello and welcome to an episode of Ironing Out the Wrinkles. I'm your host, Ros McMaster. And I'm your other host, Kate Shaw. Together we're taking the age out of ageism, helping men and women embrace the second stage of life with less fear. From her beginnings as a hairdresser and a makeup artist, since 2013, Rachel has climbed her way up the financial planning sector to now being a financial planner. With copious awards for her professional standards and innovation within the industry, Rachel chooses to see the creativity within financial planning by assisting her clients in shaping and designing their financial future. A little on the quirky side, which is, I love, uh, she continues to champion the financial advice industry to provide affordable, compliant advice that is in her clients' best interest. Rachel, hello and welcome. Now you can Thank come you in. Thank you for having me, ladies. Oh, it's such a beautiful, um, um, exciting morning. I've been excited for days to be having conversations with you both about all of this. And likewise, but me especially because I'm a really, I feel really ignorant because I've never ever considered going to a financial planner because I would think I need lots of money and I'd be embarrassed because I don't have lots of money. So I don't really know what a financial planner does. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Well, I think that's one of the one of the things that people um, uh, do fear is that um, they fear that if they don't have lots of money that you you can't afford a financial advisor. And um, there are ways that you can um, utilise um, your super and things like that to pay for financial advice. But also there 
benefits for people who don't feel like they have a lot of money can often be way more than the benefits for the people who have lots and lots of money. It can be a matter of um, um, working together with the right person to to find out what is available out there and and what can be done. Um, Financial advice is a lot more affordable, I think, than people actually understand. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. If you're not, well, if you don't think you're very financially well off, a financial planner can really help you make the most of what you've got to make it go further and last longer and you know earn you the most interest or you know dividends or or what have you yeah so it's absolutely finding the right one is really important too i might get you to talk just briefly about you know there's so many people i think afraid of going to financial planners too because of Mm. all the shonky ones that have been out there and stealing people's retirement savings but we're very very tightly regulated here in australia aren't we now since some uh, some of the charlatans that were out there caused that and, and look, that's exactly right. Um, these days we are so highly regulated that um, they've pretty much tried to get rid of anyone who was doing the wrong thing and now the ones that are doing the wrong thing um, are, are going to jail and, and the consequences are really high. Um, so I think it's really important that if you are looking for financial advice that you find someone that is a, akin to you, someone who understands you and listens to you and understands the way that you learn and the way that you tick as a person. Um, it, Ros and I have had a relationship um, for years now um, and and we were talking earlier that she loves it, that I always draw pictures for for her when there's various <laughs> I'm different, very visual. <laughs> very visual, visual things is that, you know, I will draw a picture because I know that's how she understands and I will um, provide a list of exactly what we've talked about at the end of each meeting because I know that that's something for her that she can go back on and and look at. So I think finding an advisor that has that understanding of who you are is super important in the in the bigger picture. Let's face it, your money's really important. Your um it's it's part of something that's bigger than just um just the day to day. When you're when you're relying on that money to last all the way through your retirement, you want to have someone that you can trust and that you feel understands you really really well. Yeah. And and I think, you know, on this podcast, we're talking about aging and the fact that we are living longer. So that's a lot more years that we have to make that retirement saving last. So this is a really, really good um, podcast today. I'm so looking forward to it. Well, let's um, let's jump straight in. Okay, so I'd like to ask you in the lead up to retirement, What are your top five financial tips to consider to ensure a smooth transaction or transition? Sorry, (laughs) same thing almost. That's funny. Um, To retirement. Yeah, look, really good question, Kate. Um, So look, my big thing is to start planning early. And, and that doesn't mean that if you're you're already entered into retirement or, um, or that you're, you know, uh, are soon to be retiring that it's it's too late but the earlier you start to plan obviously the more um, impact that that might have it will allow you to um, assess your financial situation and and provide time to to set some goals and and to understand what it is that you're actually going to need in retirement so that's my top tip number one my second tip is to consider when you actually retire 
So um, it sounds funny, but considering whether you retire at the beginning of a financial year or at the end of a financial year um, can be really, really um, important because the tax consequences can be massive. Say, for example, you've been working in a job for um, let's say you've been working there for 20 years and you've never taken your long service leave entitlements, they're going to be paid out or there's going to be some form of payment of that at the end of your, um, um, at, at the termination of your you know, working career. So if that lump sum comes in at the end of a financial year, it will be added onto your taxable income for that year, which in turn can create a tax bill for you. So the difference is, is if you actually flip it around and, and retire at the beginning of a financial year and you only work for a short period in that year, then you've got your whole year's tax-free threshold to use um, for that for that wow. um, benefit. Yeah. Wow. Does that okay. make sense? I wish I'd known that. Yeah, yeah. That happened to me. I Absolutely. Did it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I retired so, in June. <laughs> Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. And so, look, um, the other thing is with with that is, um, so if you um, have long service leave, is that you can actually elect to take that as leave. If you do that, you will continue to be paid your superannuation for the time that you're there. So effectively... If you stop working, say you, um, Kate, for example, re retired in, in June, instead of taking that lump sum, if you'd actually looked at potentially taking that as time, you'd still end up with the same amount of money and you would also receive your superannuation payments for that time. So it's a nice little way to get an extra win on the board. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's, that's really <laughs> Thank wow. you. There's a lot of people going to be... Uh, rubbing their hands together and, now. and you know it's, it's, so look um the third tip that i would i would say is definitely understanding your cash flow understanding how much are your fixed costs versus um what are your what you're anticipating spending and not being too hard on yourself in that time the the big thing i always think about is that those first three months are going to be a considerable change to what you actually know and what you've been doing it's actually proven out there that it will cost you less in retirement to live than it does when you're working because you're going to have less transport costs. You're going to potentially not eat out um, lunch every day or coffees, whatever your vice is. Um, so there's lots of things like that that actually reduce your expenses annually. Um, so um, when That's we true. look at... yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it will, if you don't mind me interrupting, sorry, no, you know, people often go down to one car from two cars. Uh, and because you do, you do eat out less too as you get older because you can't handle the rich foods anymore and you just don't, we, and you can't handle the noisy environment. <laughs> so. That's right. And, and I think you become, um, it becomes a bit more joyful. Um, the the eating process and the and the time that you might be spending with loved ones it becomes a little bit more purposeful rather than just I have to eat something before my next um, you know meeting or before I go back in to sit at my desk for the day or whatever it be or back onto the work site um, so there is a lot of um, uh, of reduced cost in that in that respect so the other thing is is that um, it's really hard I think you know if I said to someone and and this happens to me all the time I say to clients okay. So how much do you want in retirement? I get this blank look because how much do you, like how long's a piece of string? Mm. 
Mm. <laughs> and so um, to make those types of um, really, really clean and clear um, um, decisions, you need to be educated. So um, there's there's what they call the ASFA, A-S-F-A, so the Australian Financial, uh, sorry, Association of Superannuation Funds of Australia. And each year, AFSA always put out um, what they call their retirement living standards. So that gives you how much they believe through their research a comfortable retirement um, income is and a, and a modest retirement is. So you can always look to those types of places to um, give you some additional input um, to, to ensure that you're you're going to have sufficient and that you're making um, goals that are actually uh, acceptable and that uh, uh, you're not going to be living like a pauper or whatever it be, but that you understand the money that you will be spending. So, for example, at the moment from um, December 2022, so um, end of last year, um, a comfortable retirement for a couple is $69,000 a year and um, a modest retirement is $45,000 a year. So those just get updated and it just gives you like a bit of a source of reference, that website, and I'll send you um, the link that maybe we can pop in yes, in please. there somewhere for people um, to have a look at. Those, you can actually see what that actually um, buys you and, and and a breakdown of what that budget and how they came to those amounts Um in, 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 in the retrospect of things. So um, it might give you a bit more information and educate um, the understanding of, of what what is what are people spending in retirement. And then you can add on things like those special nights out. Um, you know, it might be um, a holiday. It might be a couple of holidays. It might be the first 10 years in your life that you want to have five holidays a year. Excellent. And then you won't holiday again. It's making all these decisions and having definite goals in place. I think without those goals, we we um, tend to just flounder about, which is what a, a financial advisor you know can do for you. So my number four goal is maximizing um, getting money into super. And so I don't know about you, ladies, but if I had the choice between paying thirty seven percent tax on my income. Or zero percent tax, which would you choose? I'd definitely choose zero. So superannuation. We had a zero percent tax mm -hmm. option on anything. Mm. Yeah. So look, you know, superannuation while you're in pension phase and over age sixty is zero percent tax on wow. earnings, on Gosh. withdrawals. It is. It is a really, really beneficial thing that I don't think. Um, has been, it's sort of been this mandated thing, super, you must put money into super, you must put money into super. But I think there's been a lack of education out there as to why and what the benefits are to the average person um, who, you know, may have been employed by an employer their whole career, right? Self-managed or, um, you know, or self-employed people, it can be a different matter because they're, they're looking at the tax consequences. But for someone who's employed, it is not necessarily been front of mind. It's just been a oh, they, the government made me do that. So wow. um, getting money into super is a really big one, and there are caps, and there it can be a little bit complicated. But there are so many benefits to getting that money in, so that you can draw that tax tax effectively um, through your retirement. Yeah, and uh, well, wasn't the government talking about introducing a self managed super fund tax, but for people who had 
I think millions of dollars in in their um, self-managed super fund. It wouldn't touch the average Joe. Mm. Mm. No, so they're talking about putting a 30% tax on certain contributions that go in. It is quite complicated at the moment. Um, None of that's actually passed the legislation Um, and, and, um, it, it is something that gets discussed quite regularly. This year it seems to have um, caught the media's attention, so um, we've heard more probably about it than we've ever heard before. However, um, you know, realistically, um, that is something that um, we should keep our eyes on. But for the moment, unless you've got more than $2 million per person in super, we're, we're, we're probably okay for the now. Oh, I think I'll be okay. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so my fifth Fifth tip for um, retirement is to to get advice, Um, whether it be from um, a local financial advisor, whether you find someone who specialises in retirement planning, someone that can give you a professional, um, non-biased look at your circumstances and can provide you with the real information that you need. Basically, um, an advisor will then give you some, some help you establish your goals. Without goals, it's really hard to achieve anything because you don't know whether you've achieved anything. So advisors um, can help you maximise your savings, minimise your tax and create sustainable income for you over the long term. Yeah, help you not keep everything in one basket, diversify. Absolutely. And, yeah, and investigate where you're going to, you know, make the most for your savings. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, um, what are the ways to manage the anxiety, which is a big one, associated with no longer drawing employment income, although you gave us a really yeah. um, great tip on how to keep getting an income, rather than drawing down on your long-term retirement savings. So what happens in the event that there is a market crash, either directly before or directly after you've retired? And I know that's a big one. I remember um, when the GFC hit, um, mm. and because my um, my late husband was a financial planner, as you know, and I remember when the GFC hit and there were so many people who were dependent on their investment savings in retirement and they were calling him in the hundreds absolutely look um and ross you make a really good point there money is emotional right we know that stock markets go up and down um and and you know a good thing to to remember i suppose to to keep anxiety at bay is is that um since the beginning of the stock market through till now the general direction of the market has been up Right. Mm-hmm. So um, whilst we have the dips and blips that, you know, that happen in the market, um, we know that that direct general direction is growth. So that's something that I think people should remember in the times where if you actually segregated any major market downturn, yeah, it could look like the end of the world on that on that graph. It could look like this big drop that's gone down. But if you actually macro out and look at the market as a whole over the historical time, it's 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 a small blip in the radar so um 
I guess the big thing there is that planning for market downturns, because it's really, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, um, and planning for that volatility can provide some peace of mind. And that is one thing, education of that understanding what happens and that markets will do the up and down, the up and down, the up and down. This last two weeks has been, has been, you know, particularly pertinent um, in the market that, yeah, there has been some volatility that was unanticipated volatility. So it's a matter of planning for that. So there is actually considerable research into behavioural finance, and I find this absolutely fascinating. We feel the loss more than we feel a gain. So if someone gains $100 or they lose $100, they'll feel the loss 10 times more than they feel the gain. So knowing that we should keep that in the back of our minds in how we are actually planning for our future. So what I mean by this is is that, you know, ideally we should sell when it's high and buy when it's low. You know, if you don't want to ever go to the the shop and buy a dress and then the next day find out it's half price. (laughs) (laughs) It does happen. It does happen. But um, as humans, naturally, we are not good investors by nature. We get FOMO, so, you know, the fear of missing out when the market's going up and we get scared and we want to sell when the market is down. So we need to bear that in mind and that's what a good financial planner will do for you is provide you with that understanding and provide you with a plan that's robust to take you through those processes. So we can't control the market and we also can't let the market control you. So it should be, you should have enough reserves. So cash reserves are, are quite important to hold. Um, you know, we suggest that you hold um, up to four years cash reserves in the event that oh, there's a, okay, if there's a market okay. downturn um, in your investment, in your superannuation, if there's a market downturn and it's major the day after you retire, we want to have enough money that you can keep drawing your income and give your growth assets time to recover. So it means that we would be drawing income from somewhere like cash or fixed interest or something with a bit of um, um, defensive allocation to it rather than um, going to your Australian shares or your international shares or your property to sell when times are hard. So just remembering that you don't actually ever um, lose anything until you sell. Right. Okay, yeah. And because some of those um, managed share portfolios have cash reserves um, built into them as well, don't they? It's not all going into the share market in the managed funds. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that because Rachel. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, look, you know, it can, I don't want anyone to panic sell when there is a downturn. It shouldn't, your retirement should not be dictated by the market. Um, so a good um, you know, plan is to have some cash reserves there that you can draw on within your investment portfolio when times are not necessarily ideal um, and, and give the other assets some time to recover. Yeah, maybe yeah. we've got assets we don't realise we've got until we see a financial planner. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Does that answer your question there, Rose? Yes, absolutely. I think think it will put a lot of people's minds to rest because that's that's one of the things, you know, the media keep telling us, well, not even the media, just the local man in the street who probably doesn't really yeah. know very much says there's a t- there's a crash coming i know it's due, the media it's say that the media due. tell us that all the time yeah. i'm just a lay person who knows nothing i get scared yeah, yeah. and but, and um, you know i think the media is um has a bit of um a, a bit of responsibility i think to report a little bit less fear driven but unfortunately fear is what drives ratings and so yeah. i know it you know, does yeah we talk yeah. about cutting out the noise, cut out the noise, um, you know, find yourselves a reputable um, source to get your information from um, rather than um, a sensationalised um, source. Yeah. Now, before you said we should start planning early, well, when should you start planning for your retirement and how much exactly are you going to need? Again, you, you talked yeah. about that super fund, but how much do we need? Yeah. So, look, really good question. Um it's never too early to start planning for retirement. Um, I would say um, given our complex financial rules within um, the superannuation environment um, that, you know, five to 10 years can be a great time to start planning just because um, you've got the opportunity then to build up some cash reserves as we just talked about, but you've also got the ability there to understand and know how much um uh, how much money that you're going to potentially have and if you need to make any adjustments you can start to make those adjustments at that time um we talked also before about the fact that you know putting contributions into super that there are caps associated so you can only put in a certain amount of money each year into your superannuation and therefore we need to consider that as well in the lead up to retirement because if you, for example, want to dump a whole heap of money into SUFA when you retire, you may not have the caps available to allow you to put that money in. Mm. So that's something to really, really bear in mind is that that is, is really, really important. Now, when you talk about money in regards to how much are you going to need, I would suggest, and it's such a dirty word to say, but budget, a good budget. <laughs> And a lot of people just think, oh, I don't want to do a budget because it's more a fear-based thing. Um, It's more a, oh, I don't want to know how much I actually spend. But those are the things which will allow you some confidence and that sleep at night factor. You want to be able to go, okay, I know that I'm going to spend this much and then I've also got this amount that I can spend on top of that. So there are some really good retirement calculators out there. Um, uh, Moneysmart.gov.au has a really good one. There is also um, plenty on different um, superannuation sites and an advisor should be able to also assist you with working out what your, your income needs are going to be and what is actually doable plus they may also look at it and see if you're eligible to receive any of the additional benefits that Centrelink have available also. Yeah it's like going to a lawyer about a will an advisor um, makes you think about things that you hadn't considered. Absolutely. Yeah you know more about us than we know about ourselves. Yeah Yeah, (laughs) quite often Quite often that that is the case, you know, you yeah. know, all the different aspects and, and we're asking about health and we're asking about, you know, anything that's coming. Is there any, you know, is there any, um, you know, 
problems within the family for for you know further down the line when you're thinking about estate planning we do we have some very 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 personal insight which is also important why you pick someone who you feel akin with yeah so rach what are the some some of the pros and cons of gifting money helping family out financially um i i know that used to be well, it might still be common. Um, what do I know? But there's been a big joke running for the last few years that um, parents now are spending all the the inheritance, having a, oh, yeah, a good retirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spending the kids' inheritance. Yeah, yeah buying, <laughs> buying the van and travelling around <laughs> Australia. So, yeah, what are the pros and cons of you know helping your kids out financially because a lot of us want to do that but it, I imagine it's to our own detriment particularly since we're living longer now mm-hmm. uh, correct correct look um, and that is that is sort of a, one of the big concerns is okay well what how much are you going to need over the long term we don't have a magic ball to be able to say okay we're going to die on this date and um and and until then we can budget every last dollar we don't have that so there needs to be consideration made to obviously how much you're gifting and um and what impact might that have on your financial circumstances the other thing that is worthwhile considering is if you receive some age pension from centrelink you can only gift up to um, ten thousand dollars in one year or $30,000 over five years. So they're really strict about that. Otherwise, um, I guess anyone could go and give everything away and receive a full age pension. So they, they want to obviously make sure that that's fair across the board. The other consideration that I think is really important to make is the circumstances of our children of your children or or who it is that you're helping out. And the main reason I say that is, is that making sure that your gift is um, is smartly constructed with the correct um, protocols around it, particularly because we want to make sure that um, that if, for example, you gift, let's say you gift a hundred thousand towards um, your your kids um, buying their first home and they buy that with their partner or their spouse um, and that marriage breaks down 50% of that will go with the other party so there needs to be smart um, clear things in place to provide some level of protection around that and and so you know it would be a solid loan agreement where you may not charge them interest on the actual loan however there is an agreement in place that has been drawn up to ensure that that money comes back in, in the, the event, event that yeah. um, yep. there's a there's a, a marriage breakdown it may also be if you're if you're gifting um you know this intergenerational wealth transfer is a big discussion piece at the moment in our industry because from the baby boomers down to the next generation there is going to be a considerable amount of money that's going to change hands because um they've had a huge amount of growth in that time um you know houses all of those things that, uh, and because baby boomers are known to be very frugal you know by nature you it, it was just the way that um you that they were brought up. So there's also going to be this huge transfer of wealth. And I think it's really important, even with gifting in that respect, in that transfer of wealth, that you consider 
how to protect your kids or, or whoever's receiving that gift, protect them from themselves, but also to protect them from, from potential, um, you know, potential problems, um, particularly with, you know, um, relationship breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some of the common traps that you do see from reti- that retirees fall into? Um, I think, well, it's funny, overspending and underspending are both traps, believe it or not, like they're completely opposite to one another, but they're both traps. So overspending, if you overspend um, and and don't keep to your budget, obviously your money's not going to last as long. Um, But it also might mean that if you've you've said, okay, I want to spend um, this much per year, it also may mean that in the event that you have... um, put aside some cash reserves that you're not going to have enough cash reserves in the event that there is a market downturn. The other thing is, is underspending. People go, oh, well, I want my money to last, so I'm not going to do all of these things now. And then they get to 80 and they don't want to do it, do the things that that they could have done in their 60s and 70s when they actually had the ability and the um, yeah, the, the, the energy, health, energy, time, all of those things to do those things. So I think they, those two should be well considered um, because generally speaking, you should spend more in your first 10 years, 10 to, 10 to 15 years in retirement than you will at the end. Well, well, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because you do, you know, often lose mobility and what have you and and end up spending less so spend it now but it's a fine line isn't it finding that balance balance. absolutely absolutely um the other one is healthcare costs remembering healthcare costs that's Mm -hmm. a big thing um you know not diversifying investments that's a big trap that happens you know oh, I'll just buy all of Commonwealth shares Commonwealth Bank shares and mm. then all of a sudden Commonwealth Bank has a has a downturn what happens then so you know exactly as we said earlier don't hold all your eggs in one basket having yeah. a, a, um, a a larger portfolio. Um, diversified yeah. portfolio will just provide you with some protection there um, okay. And then also being aware of any tax implications. If, if you do do things outside of super, there may be tax implications. And that's something that, you know, um, needs to be carefully considered, especially, you know, we were having that conversation, Kate, you were saying you retired in the June. Well, if I stopped the sold... job, yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. take my long um, service if... leave for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. So, and and I mean, those types of things. But if you're also selling assets at that time, there would have been tax implications as well, which would have, again, created a higher tax bill. So those types of considerations, are, uh, timing is, is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this will only apply to Australian residents, but because um, mm. we've got an audience from all over the world, but what are some recent changes to Centrelink that might impact retirees? Yeah, so um, a big one that happened recently was um, the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card. So that um, gives you cheaper medicine under the PBS scheme here, um, bulk bill doctors, you know, refund of medical costs over the um, Medicare safety net examples. Um, and, and there can also be things like um, your um, registration, your rates, those types of things. It keeps those costs down and provides you a discount. Previously, it was only about 35000 to 40000 per annum that you could earn, up to fifty two if you're a couple. 
Now it has actually increased to 90,000 a year if you're a single or 144,000 if you're in a couple. So this is going to open that door for a lot more people to provide, uh, to receive those um, additional benefits. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it is something to be. So if you, I do encourage um, um, your listeners, if you're in Australia and you're unsure, have a look at that. Go and have a look at the MyGov site um, because that will allow you to have a look at um, some of the benefits associated. Oh, I thought you were going to say ring Centrelink. Oh, no. No, please don't do that. (laughs) There are some really, really easy to understand and easy to read guides um, on the Centrelink site these days. Yeah, if you've got two hours to sit on a phone waiting for someone to um, answer your call. (laughs) Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, Rachel, what are the positives and negatives in downsizing your home after age 55? This is a big one for Kate because she's ready to downsize and her partner is not. not. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, look, um, there are lots of negatives and there are lots of positives for each side of this this discussion when it comes to downsizing your home. Um, Downsizing your home can, well, it it can come down to... um, you know, in this instance, you know, it can come down to, you know, what you can get and, and you know, often kids have left home, there's no more, uh, you've got spare rooms in your house, do you need that that space? Um, so, you know, downsizing can, can reduce that. It can also mean less maintenance for you. Um, it can also provide you with, um, you know, some excess income potentially or um, your capital to be able to go and do some of the things that potentially you, you wouldn't have done. Um, but the other thing is, is that now we can get that money into superannuation as well. So each member of a couple can get $300,000 from a downsizing into superannuation if you sell your home and you've lived there for more than 10 years. Okay. So, um, you know, and it just, you know, that 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 gives you the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, use those funds however you choose, but it also gives you an opportunity to get them into that beautiful low tax rate environment. That might be an incentive. Yes, thank you for <laughs> thank that. Thank you. Yeah, no. Not at all. But it's, yeah, and I think a lot of people stay with a bigger home too. I mean, I I understand for men, you know, once they stop working, they don't have the social networks that women do and very often maintaining the yard and the house is what they end up filling their life with after they've retired so it's a lot more of a challenge for men to downsize but and and I think women tend to think well you know I still want the house with all the rooms because what about when the grandchildren come along and the grandkids come to stay but they might not they might not too so yeah 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 live for yourself really be selfish it's hard to be given it I agree I agree very good yes yeah. So I'm really excited about this last one. We're going to do uh, a very false. quick um, fact or fallacy. Um, my daughter and I ran through these questions the other day and I got them all right, which means you've taught Yay. me well in all our I meetings, have. Rachel. And I got right. half wrong. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> think I That's was okay. Listening. That's okay. All right. So. Oh, so have you answered them already? I, All right. Well, you, I did have a little look at them. Oh, before. look, and I've written the answers next to it, so that's no good. All right, I'm going to read each of them and then you can just quickly explain fact or fallacy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so first, you can't have more than $100,000 in your bank account and still receive the age pension payment. 
What what did you think this was, um, Kate? Just interested. I thought thought that it was true. And a lot of people do. In fact, it's actually a fallacy. Your assets are calculated as a whole. It doesn't matter. You could have all your assets in cash if you actually wanted to, and it wouldn't actually make a difference. Wow. So that's one. Um, it, it's it's a matter of how, how much your total assets are irrelevant of where they are. So even cash in the bank is called an asset. I think probably because why people get confused there, if if you needed Centrelink for unemployment benefits then they they would say you've got a hundred thousand in the bank you need to use that before we'll start paying you so so that's they're really looking after retirees in in that sense then aren't they i'm very happy to Mm. hear that Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay your home is counted in the asset test that's a fallacy as well so um, your home's not counted. You can have a million-dollar home and still receive the age pension. You could have wow. a $5 million home and right? still receive the age pension. Oh, Correct. I didn't know that. So, yeah, um, yeah so that's one um, uh, one that, yeah, is, is quite often not understood. Perfect. You can't gift 10000 per annum or 30000 over five years uh, and still retain age pension. You can, you can give 10, sorry, 000. you can give ten thousand or thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually yeah. a fact. So you can you can um, you can give ten thousand dollars a year if you wanted to and still retain your age pension, or you can gift a thirty thousand dollar lump sum, and that over five years, um, and then you can't gift anything for the next five years, um, and that would be you would still retain your age pension. Yeah. We covered that earlier. So I would expect everyone to have got that right. (laughs) I agree. agree. (laughs) Superannuation pensions are taxed before you reach age 60. There are some complexities around that. But yes, if you decided to retire early and say your preservation age was 56 or 57 um, and before you turn age 60, yes, they are taxed. What's preservation age for anyone like me who it's, doesn't know? Um, so, yeah, preservation, <laughs> preservation age is the age that you can access your super. Oh, right. So, okay. um, yeah, so um, for now, nowadays, the um, people who are starting out getting their superannuation won't be able to access it until they hit 60. But at, at one stage there, it was 55, and then it was slowly transitioned up to 60. Yeah, okay. So there is no tax on superannuation in the event of your death. This is an interesting one. That's actually a fallacy depending on who inherits it. So we talk about no more death tax. Well, there is actually a form of death tax out there. Superannuation, the taxable portion, so there's two parts to your super, taxable and non-taxable and tax-free. Um, and so the, the part that's taxable can be taxed if it's inherited by your um, non-dependent children. So say, for example, your adult children, you pass away and your adult children inherit your superannuation, any part that is taxable will be taxed at around about 17%. So okay. say, for example, you have $100,000 and they inherit that, they'll only receive $83,000. Now, this is really interesting, too, um, as far as it being in your will. Yes. Isn't super, uh, I think that's. I thought it was covered under your will. No, it's it's got its own um, binding death nomination, doesn't it? And do you know, a lot of 
I know a lot of people with their supers don't get around to doing the binding Binding death death nomination. Mm. And then if they pass away, the ex-girlfriend, the ex-wife, anyone can come and make a claim on that because they haven't nominated anyone in it. We heard about that, didn't we? One of our previous guests told us a sad story about that. Yes, I actually heard that podcast, that Mm. version. Um, um, It it is not, um, yeah, superannuation isn't covered under your will um it's actually a trust in itself so therefore it's it, the trustee has the discretion and and unfortunately they've got rules that they need to abide by so it is really important that's one thing it's one piece of paper get it done it's really really super important yeah so you can't get money into super after age 65 it's a fallacy too. We can get money in. Um, we can actually get money in up to age 74 these days, um, which, you know, is, is quite a fair way after retirement for a lot of people. So um, there are, don't think that because you, you're already retired and you're over age 65 that you can't necessarily get money into super if you were to sell an asset, for example. So what if you're working and you're over 74? Can you mm-hmm. still pay superannuation? You can. That's the that was the only other way that I was going to say is that um, if you meet the work test, um, you can continue to receive concessional contributions. And what's the work test? Is that work test is um, no, it's um, uh, thirty eight hours over the space of one month in any oh, financial that's good. year. Wow. That's yeah, wonderful. yeah. So there's some complexity there, but yeah, it's if you are still working and working more than thirty eight hours over that space of um, one month, um, yeah, that is a benefit. That's mm, 10, 10 hours a week, That's pretty much. fabulous, yeah. yes. Okay. So last one, you are required yes. to draw a minimum pension each year depending on your age. Correct. That is a fact. You must draw, for example, from age 65 to age 74, you must draw 5% of the total balance of your superannuation if you put it into a pension oh, each wow. year. Yeah, and so um, it, it is an interesting one to get that tax benefit of the 0% tax rate. They require you to take that 5% because they obviously want you to put it back into the economy. Gee, we yeah. all need to see someone like you, Rachel, a financial yeah. planner, to tell us all this. I had no idea. Yeah, definitely, Rachel. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. We're going to, um, we always take people out with um, a final word of advice, but uh, we're going to have links to your website um do you deal with people over zoom like if someone from perth wanted to use you as a financial advisor what about overseas people i guess there's different rules in different countries of course correct yeah Yeah, correct correct but you know lots of aussies overseas or even people needing to bring money in who have lived overseas and have for example, being in the UK, transferring money back from the UK into Australia because they choose to retire here. There's lots of lots of benefits that we can provide as financial oh, advisors. Yeah. yeah. So Ra- Rachel will um, provide me with all sorts of interesting links for things that we've been talking about today. So you'll be able to find that in all the bio on the upload. And, and that'll be helpful for our international uh, listeners as well. It's not yeah. just Australians. It'll benefit from your wonderful advice. So Rachel, can we just have one final word of advice for anyone retired or transitioning to retirement to help them feel less fearful about their financial future? Okay, so my final word of advice would be to get advice. 
And um, I think from, from all the discussion we've had today, the big thing is, is there's so many complexities to it. And I always say, I wouldn't drill my own teeth. I wouldn't represent myself in court. Therefore, go and see a professional. You will benefit far and away um, by, by seeing someone and find someone that you click with so that you can develop a real relationship um, for the long term. Thank you.